At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. the Lombardi line presented by bet MGM here on VSIN, the sports betting network as Nor'easter Bella absolutely pummels, <laughs> absolutely pummels the East coast. We say good morning championship weekend. Look at the picture from the crib. Michael Lombardi, of course, there on your right. And uh, he's at his house today because you're absolutely getting pummeled there in ocean city, New Jersey. And so is everybody on the coast. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Patrick. Thank you. Yes, we are getting pummeled here along the uh, Jersey Shore, all the way up from, I think, from the Delaware coast all the way through to now New York City's going to get it. So, you know, it's going to continue all through the day. And, and, and really what makes it challenging is the winds and the drifts because there's so much snow that, you know, different places have no snow because the wind has blown it off the off. And then there's some places with three feet of snow because of the, of the drifts. So we'll get through today. Thankfully, we have power. And we have a lot of food in the refrigerator, and Millie's a good cook, so life isn't too bad. No, life is great. Now, is the household uh, under control? We know Bella sometimes can get rambunctious, yes? What, yes. What's going on we, with the crew there? Her, we've got her in a secure location, and frankly, no one can walk by the street and, and, and her have to protect the household. But there will be, I'm sure, a... Uh, her personality will try to bark her way onto the show. Much she's got a lot of Bill Berman in her. He wants to get on the show somehow, <laughs> some way. Well, you know, one thing is, I, and you mentioned you've got family up in Boston. I mean, they're getting like six inches an hour. I mean, it is wild up yeah. there. Yeah, good luck with Mick trying to handle Dominic for the days. You know, that's going to be a challenge. You know, so yeah, no, it's it's it, this is the time of the year where uh, you know it's interesting. We never see this much snow, but. If it's going to, if not, it is winter and, you know, we got to prepare for it. Like you said, I'm not sure why we're here, but we should be somewhere in Sarasota having a, having a but it's cold there too. Hey, if not now, when is the question? And when, it might as well right. come now. Now here, here's a couple of things. One, it would be great if you had some football today, you know, it's almost like we're, we're entering yeah. this tomorrow feels like 72 hours away because we've just been inundated with the football on Saturdays and Sundays. And the one day where everybody's locked down on the coast in the Northeast, we don't have a game, but with the weather being inclement there for you, Michael in New Jersey and everybody on the coast, uh, we talked about it yesterday. We're going to have perfect, pristine conditions for a championship weekend now of course the Rams are inside but Kansas City on January 30th is going to be 45 degrees and sunny it's going to be perfect it's going to actually be warmer than Tampa I mean think about that I mean you know the weather in, in Florida isn't very good right now so 
Yeah, I think this really plays itself to the Bengals' favor because obviously they they have a hard time running the football on the road with their offensive line. So if they can get the ball out of Burrow's hands quickly and, and get the ball to their receivers, this certainly helps. But I do think it also helps Kansas City because they're used to playing in any kind of element. And the offense has kicked into another gear. I mean, the last three minutes of the of the chief Buffalo game certainly lends itself to believe that they're going to be able to make some plays in the first half of the first game. They were dynamic in that. The second half, you know, they had the two drives where they stalled out, and then they had the field goal drive. But that's all they had, Patrick. They only had three drives in the second half, and it resulted in three points. Yeah. No, it, it's incredible. I, I'm going to set the table for today. We've got a ton to do. We're going to be here. Of course, Michael Lombardi braving the elements out there in jerseys at the crib. We're going to be here tomorrow as well as we lead into the two championship weekend games here. Cincinnati, Kansas City, the early game. And then, of course, San Francisco, Los Angeles. We've got plenty to do. It's going to be sunny down in Miami. Hallandale right outside of Miami there, South Beach. The Pegasus World Cup is today. Ashley Malou's going to join us, talk a little horse racing. Also going to be joined by our guy, old boy Carl. Johnson in the Bayou. Carl Johnson's going to join coming up in just a little bit. TG Thomas Gable and Mike Palm's going to stop by in studio. Now, Michael, speaking of Cincy and Kansas City, you see it there on your board. We, the hook is mm-hmm. the hook isn't there. It's interesting. It's seven. Remember yesterday yeah. the South Point went to seven and a half. They've now fallen back to seven. Now the juice and for new betters, remember the juice will tell you which way the number is going. The juice is juiced up. So what does up mean? We're headed to seven and a half. But a little surprising that we are sitting seven there. Well, I think what happened, they went to seven and a half and they got a lot of buyback. Yes. And that half point is significant, especially in a sense that if you feel like the Bengals can backdoor cover, if you feel like the Bengals are down 14 in the in the fourth quarter and all of a sudden they make this comeback and they cut it to seven. And if you have the seven and a half, you're going to win that. So I think that this is more about a backdoor cover than anything and also about a teaser. You know, because if you tease this down to one and a half with the Chiefs, obviously that helps you You break through all the numbers. You break through the three, three and a half, but you still, you know, that that seems like a really good play. But the seven and a half is the backdoor cover. You nailed it. If you want to tease, there's going to be a lot of teasing down first game, a lot of teasing up in the second game. You tease through seven, you tease through six, you tease through three. If you come down with the standard six on Kansas City and then to me, the the wise move uh, in the later window there would be San Francisco. So let's talk about it. If you take San Francisco up from three and a half to nine and a half, you're going through some key numbers there. But that is the important. We talked about the hook on the seven in Kansas City. Well, the hook in Los Angeles is still there. A little surprising. Yeah. We talked about it yesterday. A little surprising. We haven't seen three, though most of the juice is headed to three. No doubt. It's still 110 at Circa, three and a half. It's one. It's 100 at Circa. It's 110 at DraftKings, New Jersey. So, you know, there will be action later. I was told last night by somebody from the Borgata uh, who does, obviously, who tipped me off about the last time that he played San Francisco, but there's a heavy hitter in Vegas that is all over San Francisco for a lot of money at three and a half. And I think that three and a half is critical. I think it's a three point game one way or the other. I think it's easy to make the case that Stafford could throw interceptions. It's easy to make the case that Jimmy Garoppolo could make, could have a bad day. We don't even need them all to make that case. So I think it's pretty clear, but I think it's going to be a field goal game. Even when the Rams went ahead, 17, nothing, towards the end of the second half, first quarter, first half. They, the, the, the 49ers didn't feel like they were out of the game. They came right back. They came roaring back and did what they had to do. So 
I think it's down to the wire. I think this will be the best game of the weekend. I have a feeling the first game won't be as good because I do think at some point the glass slipper will fall off Cinderella, Cincinnati. Yeah, a theme, and for those just joining on the weekend, of course, Michael and I, Michael's here four days a week uh, during the week, and one of the themes that kind of started to percolate was you talking about the Cincinnati team, not necessarily being a bad team, but maybe not on the level of these other three. I want to delve into that coming up in just a bit. A uh, couple things on the totals. One, and we're going to get a clip of Reed talking about potentially a letdown spot here in a second. One, Cincinnati, Kansas City open, you know, 52 and a half ish. It's up to 54, 54 and a half. We'll get into uh, that number and the ramifications. And then 47, the opener in Los Angeles. It's been bet down, Michael. I don't know if that surprises you. Bet down to 45 and a half oh. at most books. Well, we know the 49ers are a slow-paced team, right? We know that. And that we saw, we talked about that last week in Green Bay, how they were going to play a slower pace against the Packers. I think they're 32nd in the National Football League in pace. So were the Packers were 30th. So we're going to see a slow-paced game. And I think it favors the 49ers. I mean, last time they played, you know, it's 27-24. That would, have, that would have gone over. That went to overtime. And, you know, the Rams only had 265 yards on 64 plays. It wasn't like they were making explosive plays. Cup had his, certainly had his great day. I think both of these defensive lines gives the opponent offensive line a lot of trouble. And I think that lends itself to a lower scoring game. Well, it does sound counterintuitive or seem counterintuitive that there would be a letdown spot, Michael, in a championship game. I think yeah. Kansas City, and we saw it with Tampa. We'll get to Tampa in a second. Tampa trying to defend. There was some weird energy around that team. What Andy Reid has done a wonderful job of over the past four or five years is keeping the intensity and keeping this team together. But we just saw an all-time in Kansas City. We saw an all-time game last week that ended just in spectacular fashion for Kansas City. Is there a concern about a letdown? Here's Andy Reid talking about that. It was a crazy weekend in the NFL. I mean, you had three three walk-offs or whatever it was, uh, field goals and that. So uh, it seems like everybody experienced it that's playing this this week, you know, of some sort. Um, but I listen. It doesn't. It surely doesn't hurt you uh, to have something like that. It, uh, I think our guys are confident uh, that that they can play and and do well. I'm not saying that, but um, it doesn't hurt that that part of it. Um, and it probably doesn't, doesn't take it up another 10 notches or so. Do you trust Andy Reed to maintain focus with his squad? I think there's no doubt. He's got veteran leadership and he's got Mahomes. And I think Mahomes going over to Burrow after the Cincinnati game in week 16 and saying, Hey, we'll see you in the playoffs. I think there's certainly a sense that they felt like they did. They were the better team that day. It really ultimately could have it cost them home field advantage that they were able to secure back because Tennessee lost. But let's go back to the Houston game. Remember the Houston game when Houston went in there uh, in the divisional round and jumped off to a 21 nothing lead and they came back and the Chiefs scored 51 points in really three quarters. Yeah. So I, I think I, I, for all those who think that the, that the Bengals will get ahead, I think the Chiefs will find their momentum. And as I've said many times, I mean, we won an emotional game in 14 against the Baltimore Ravens. You couldn't get any more emotional than that. It was, we laid everything out on the line and it was a hard fought game and it ended in a three point game and we were fortunate enough to win it. And the next week we played Andrew Luck in the Indianapolis Colts and everybody thought there would be a letdown. And we went ahead 14, nothing in the first quarter and never looked back. So I think veteran teams with veteran quarterbacks will, and I think the one thing Steve Spagnuolo, the defense coordinator of the Chiefs, had going for him is the fact that he's watched Chase dominate him. 
So he's got to have a game plan for Chase. And he can look at the Tennessee game plan and say, okay, here's how we have to take this game, the players out of the game. And knowing that you can put your best defensive lineman, Chris Jones, on span, the left guard, who's really not a very good player. And you could put Frank Clark over on the left on the left side of the defense against the right tackle. You're going to gain an advantage, and you're going to be able to stop this run game, and you're going to force Burrow into trying to be a little bit little bit less with the football, which will create turnovers. That's a wonderful example you used with Houston. You spot a team 21 points, and you cover easily. That's the danger of facing a Kansas City team. I mean, that, no doubt. That, is, that is the danger. And, by the way, Kelsey, Hill, and Mahomes, three all-time greats when we return. By the way, I don't know if Millie's directing this, but the camera angle is perfect. It's clear. Yeah. My gosh. We're we, good. We're, we're flying. I mean, we're good. We're flying. Yeah, we're, we're doing good. We're going to come back and Knock dig into San Francisco wood. and Los Angeles next here at Lombardi Line on a Saturday. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Once again, here's Patrick Maher. All right, of course, it's never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure VSIN is part of your big game coverage. So here's what we're going to do. This is going to be our sixth annual live big game betcast. We're going to have 56 hours of free video coverage. So remember, uh, you can go to vsin.com and you can join us for free for the coverage leading up to the big game and on the day of the big game. And you know what the big game is. It's the biggest game of the year, so don't make plans without us. Okay, we're going to be there. Betting experts before, during, and after the action. All right here. It's vsin.com, vsin.com. Spread the word for us. Now, as we got you back, we'll get into, of course, San Francisco, who's owned the Rams, coming up in just a little bit. All of you on the East Coast, stay safe and stay warm. I do feel for you. It's you know, it's going to be <laughs> what I think it's going to be maybe sixty-ish today here in Las Vegas. A little chilly, little nip in the air. Yeah, uh, but I certainly, little, little as a guy short. from Michigan, like I just don't miss the weather. I saw the picture that you sent. Uh, outside your crib there, snow all over the place. I got family sending me pictures from Michigan. I, I don't miss it, but you're nice and warm and toasty at the house. A great picture as well. Some house cleaning before we get to the games. The New York football giants have a new head coach and they sent out yes, the tweet. There it is. Brian Dayball. Uh, you know, you, you're so connected from what I understand. Good guy. Like, Paul Hackett came, Nathaniel Hackett and his presser came across as an energetic, really good person with the Denver Broncos. And we're hearing the same thing about Dayball. Your reaction to Brian Dayball being introduced as the New York 
football head coach. You know, you know, Brian worked extremely hard to get to where he got today. And he, you know, he took on different challenges. You know, he started out, he was really the originator of the, the coaching, the coaching tree in new England. He was the first guy Belichick hired when he went to new England in 2000. Uh, Brian came in, he was on the Nick Saban staff. He endeared himself to Nick and then Belichick hired him from Nick. He had gone to William and Mary. Then he went to Michigan state. He spent a career writing letters and trying to get involved. And then when he got to new England, he worked there and they, they won together and he brought Josh McDaniels in because he wanted to move up the ladder of new England. And Belichick said, well, if if I promote you, you better find somebody who can replace you as as good as you. And that's when Josh McDaniels came in. And so he kind of created that development tree in new England. And then he went off to Cleveland with man. He went off to Cleveland with the jets and then with Mangini and in, in, in Cleveland. And then he went down to Miami and, and some of those stops as he moved up the ladder, he didn't have a very good quarterback, but the one thing I think Brian had did a really good job is he learned from a lot of different people. He is from the Belichickian tree, but he's also had a lot of different elements to his game. And I think he can be very adaptive. And I think he's going to come in there and try to create the quarterback situation with Joe Shine, the, the, the uh, general manager. He's going to work together with him. So I think with, with that sense of harmony within the building, I think that they certainly can take a step forward. He's not Joe Judge. You know, Brian's easy to get along with. Brian is kind of more uh, diplomatic, you know, and he's also understands what it takes to win. And I think that he'll do it, you know, as, as coming in, not that Joe was hard to get along with Joe was very, very set in his ways. I think Brian's broader spectrum of being around different coaches has helped him. Well, I mean, unless you're coaching the offensive line, Joe judge might be a little prickly. It might be a little hard to get along, but Hey, but I mean, you know, this is different though. I mean, Joe had to take on the coach, coach Garrett and you know, that was, that was never going to work. And so you know, that became a problem. And the offense really was stuck in 2004 yeah. North Turner offense the entire, and it got worse when Freddie Kitchens came in because there was nothing he could do to change it. So I think with Brian, and I believe he's going to try to hire Ken Dorsey because Dorsey's contracts up in Buffalo. So he can go. And if the giants allow him to do that, that he can, they can put in their offense. And I think what Brian did this year was interesting. When the year started out, everybody kind of had a read on what Buffalo was doing, but by this, after the, after the win game against the Patriots that they lost at home, Brian decided to go into the single wing business and Josh Allen became Cecil Isbell. Josh Allen became Bobby Lane. Josh Allen became a single wing quarterback and really became effective. And that changed their offense dramatically. And it made Josh Allen an even better player. It does appear that it came down to Dayball and Flores. Flores, a Brooklyn native. And Mara family ended up going with, and Tish family ended up going with Dayball here. So interesting. I, I bring that up because Miami seemed to be in the mix for Dayball as well. What's very perplexing to me, Michael, is they were going to interview the second time Dayball next week. If this is your guy, why would you have a laissez-faire attitude about a second interview? Wouldn't you want to beat the Giants to the mix if you're the Dolphins? You know, I said this when they fired Brian Flores. They will not get a better coach than Brian Flores. I promise you they will not get a better coach than Brian Flores. They will not be able to find a better coach than Brian Flores. And so to me, you know, the two that they have left on the list, Mike McDaniels and Kellen Moore, they don't scream leader to me. They don't scream complete commander. They don't scream supreme commander to me. They scream play caller, knowledgeable, 
that's all great, but they don't scream, I'm going to take over the organization. Now, and, and clearly what was going on in Miami is they want to be able to keep the defensive staff in place. Josh Boyer, who was in New England, went down there when Flores came in. He's going to continue to run the defense, which eliminates all the defensive coaches. If I were Miami, I would look for, I would look for a, a leader type. I would look for Jim Caldwell and try to figure out what to do with the offense. I mean, I, I know this. If, if Jerry Jones has his way, He'll do whatever it takes to keep Kellen Moore, and he'll convince Kellen Moore that that's not a good job. I really believe that. And I don't think it is a good job because you got to take on Tua. And you got to take on – you're really not a head coach or a subcontractor. So that's going to be fascinating. I, I don't think as we get into the over-under set totals as we look forward – I would lean towards Miami being under because they're not going to be as well coached as they were last year. And rounding out the coaching dominoes, uh, McDaniel's here in Las Vegas. Michael, if he's there I, today, do you he, want to go he, over he and is, spend some time? Well, with him? I I said he could stay at the crib. He, he apparently he can <laughs> he can afford the rate for a night on the strip. Seventy five percent? Would you say McDaniel's would, that this would be a good landing spot? It's it's not as it's he's not going to be puppeteered by a front office here. Well, I think it's probably one of the oldest school jobs left in the league. There's very few of them anymore. And so he has an owner that has clearly said he will get out of the way and spend money for a team. So McDaniels can walk into that job and set up an organization in his manner, in the way he wants to do it. And I think that, you know, with Dave Ziegler, who also is a friend of his, Dave Ziegler was with him in Denver. He brought him with him to New England. Dave did a really good job replacing Nick Cesario in New England, did a really good job in the draft along with Elliot Wolf. So I think that if that is the combination, I think they will get this Raider organization up to speed. You know, I think when what happened was when they hired Gruden, Gruden really wasn't a personnel guy. Gruden, even though they gave him all the authority, Gruden was never going to be able to build an organization, you know, around how to develop talent, how to have a, a scouting and all that. McDaniels will do that with Ziegler's help if that's the decision they go to. So I do think this is a great opportunity for Josh. I think if he doesn't take this job, I think it would be hard for him to really convince people that he's willing to become a head coach again. So I think this is one of those times where he's waited long enough and the opportunity is golden that he should accept. You know, we often look at this thing called look and leap. And when do we leap? I think now is the time to leap for Josh McDaniels. And for our Nesson audience, Michael, if McDaniels were to depart, Bill O'Brien just slides in. Am I, am I just, is that projection on my part? Or it seems like that would be a natural fit for O'Brien to come back. I think that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, O'Brien coached Mac Jones last two years last two years ago, so he's got you know he knows him. Real, 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 no, he didn't coach him last year. I'm sorry, but he knows him and he's been around him. He Mac Jones actually, after he was done playing at Alabama, spent time teaching Billy O'Brien the Alabama offense. Hmm. So they have a relationship. So that makes sense, right? And you know, but it also needs to make sense for Coach Belichick because if he hires Billy and Billy wants to go become the head coach at some college next year in, in the Northeast or in the ACC, then who's he going to hire to replace him? So I think Coach Belichick's got a lot of decisions to make as as it relates to – I read a column the other day that Joe Judge would come in and be the offense coordinator. Joe Judge never really called any – Joe Judge was a receiver coach and really didn't know the whole offense. If Joe Judge would have known the offense in New England, he'd have ran that offense in, in, in New York. You know, So I think that there's a little bit of a disconnect there. I will say to Josh McDaniels and to Dominic, your grandson, mm -hmm. um, 
no snow in Vegas, also no taxes. So, so. <laughs> yes, I, I, I think Dominic's fully aware of that. I think, I he's, think he's ahead of all of us. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, I think his grandmother told him that. I think there's no doubt about that. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what transpires. There's no doubt. Uh, rounding it out, and then we'll get into the games and some betting here. Uh, Minnesota, they've got their guy at GM. They don't have a coach. And then the Saints. The Saints is interesting because that's a teardown and rebuild. Yeah, I mean, look, if I'm the Saints, as much as I love Dennis Allen, I mean, I don't understand how people – look, I know people are concerned. Joe, Joe Sheehan, the general manager of the Giants, I think he was worried about Flores. Is, he didn't really know Flores. Can I get along with him? Brian Flores is a really good coach. You know, he's strong with his opinions, and who doesn't want that? You don't want a wishy-washy guy? You know, he, you know, I, I, it's a little bit out of, out of sorts to say he doesn't play nice in the sandbox. I mean, he's trying to win games, and he did. So I think if Minnesota were smart, they'd hire him. I think if New Orleans was smart, as good as Dennis Allen did, I think that you're going to need somebody who's going to come in there and really change the the environment if you want to do that in New Orleans. I hope he gets one. It would really be good for him. I, I think you're right. I think surprising if Flores doesn't get one of the remaining openings as far as a head coaching position. Okay, Michael's there in a snowy New Jersey. Next, Ashley Mayu's going to join us. First racing analyst, Pegasus World Cup outside of Miami coming up today talk a little horse racing here on the Lombardi line. You're listening to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay. This winter's hottest horse race. It's the $3 million Pegasus world cup down at Gulfstream. They're outside of Miami. It's awesome, man. I can't wait for it today. Sign up and bet with first bet using the promo code Vegas 25. So once you do, you get $25 instantly just for signing up over at first bet express bet visit vcin.com slash horses to sign up. If you're a horse racing fan, first bet is a place for you visit vcin.com slash horses to sign up for this special Pegasus world cup offer. It's the $3 million grade one Pegasus world cup invitational. As we welcome you back, the first big race on the horsing calendar of the year 2022. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. And as we go to Ashley Mayu, of course, this is, she is a first racing analyst. I believe, Ashley, you're from the Buffalo area. You've now relocated down to outside of Miami and Gulfstream. That's a good move because you know they're dealing with a blizzard up north right now. Yeah, it's a good move uh, for a couple of reasons. I'm not really a Bills fan either, and I'm a Dolphins fan. So right now, <laughs> just down the road. Uh, but yeah, it's cold here today, though. I will say it's the high is about 60 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's not going to be the typical Florida weather. Wait, 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 um, Michael, Michael, we can't have, oh. we can't have her coming on Ashley, when you have feet, a, a foot of snow and saying it's cold at 60. Come on, Michael. Uh, I mean, seriously, Ashley, I mean, you know, <laughs> I get the fact that you became a Dolphin fan, smart move for living in Miami, but if your blood's that thin that 60 makes it cold, I mean, my <laughs> Lord, I, I don't, I don't know how we're going to handle that, but I want to ask you a question. So I was doing research last night, Ashley. And I was going through the horses in this race. Not that I'm a handicapper, but one that jumped out to me was Sacred Life. Uh, the jockey, Jose Ortiz, and Chad Brown, the trainer. And, you know, I know he wasn't great in the Seabiscuit handicap because he got off to a bad start. But doesn't he have the kind of game or the, the traits to win this race? Yeah, so Sacred Life, he's in the, the turf race, which is right before the big one. Uh, Sacred Life, like as you mentioned, is trained by Chad Brown, who... If you know anything about turf racing, his horses are just top-notch caliber. He's always bet. So if you're kind of looking at the races, this is the race right before the dirt race that you're showing, you know, there's a slate for. 
Uh, but kind of looking at Sacred Life, he's got a perfect stalking trip. He usually sits off the pace and makes a late move. But honestly, I think that race, it's a full field, and it's really competitive from a betting perspective. Yeah, Chad Brown on the turf. His horses, Michael, they always have this turn of foot. And Ashley, you know what I'm talking about, where they're way out, and then all of a sudden they just come and they just, down the stretch, they're incredible. That's what I thought. And, I, you know, to me, they all pay the same, don't they, Ashley, if you bet them, right? <laughs> they, they do. Well, you want them to pay more money. I mean, kind of looking at that race that, you know, there's 12 horses entered. I thought from a betting perspective, I love to gamble myself. So I think this is a wide open race. I like Sacred Life. He's actually not my top pick in here. Directly to his inside is my top pick, a horse named Doswell, who won here at the Fort Lauderdale just a few weeks ago and I thought was super impressive at Gulfstream Park. But I can name about five horses. To me, that's probably one of the best betting races on the whole card. Okay, so the Pegasus World Cup Invitational, Michael, this is for three million bucks. And this is, I mean, it's a nine-horse field. But, Ashley, as you know, all eyes are going to be on two horses. Nick's go has turned into an all-time great. It's incredible how Nick's go has improved with age, the six-year-old Colt. And life is good. These are, these are the two, right? Can you, we'll, we'll, we'll ask you if you can make a case for Sir Winston or others. But why don't we start with the brilliance of Nick's go? Nick's go for so many reasons. This is kind of uh, the swan song for him, hopefully to go out as a winner because it's going to be his final start, career start number 25 before he becomes a stallion and goes to Taylor May, which is in Nicholasville, Kentucky. Um, so he's looking for his 11th win in start number 25. But as you mentioned, uh, when he started, they didn't have necessarily as high hopes as he's turned out to be. He's turned out to be an absolute monster. Last year, he made over $7 million in seven races, five of which he won. And uh, you don't, you don't, these days, you don't see horses that are, you know, uh, still racing when there's stud value involved. And he's six. Most horses you see nowadays, they retire at three or four. So it, it's a big uh, testament to the connections to give him a chance to keep on racing because he's done tremendous. And he, what, what about Sir Win? What about Sir Winston at twelve to one? I mean, does he have a chance in this race? Uh, you know, with with Mark Cassie, the trainer, going in, and Edwin Gonzalez on the horse. Yeah, Sir Winston's interesting. I mean, he won the Belmont back in his three-year-old campaign, which was going a mile and a half on the dirt. And we talked about Nick's go and, you know, the other big horse life is good. The one thing that they both have in common is a ton of early speed. So that's been the thing when uh, handicappers look at the race, what's going to happen? Because both of them like to go to the front. Are they going to kind of uh, duke one another out around the racetrack at a mile and an eighth? And is that going to set up for Sir Winston? It might. I just think when you look at the big two and the competition that they've faced, especially last year, the waters were deeper than what Sir Winston was facing. And the big two, Nick's go. <laughs> that's the one hole, Michael. And the four hole will be life is good. Todd Pletcher trained. He romped in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, Ashley, the last time out. This is speed, speed, speed. I mean, Nick's go is speed. Nick's go can run anything. But um, the speed of life is good. Do you think he can match up with Nick's go? I mean, he's certainly fast. So the one thing he's got going for him, uh, his when you kind of look at his fractions for his races on paper, uh, he's faster. But he's also never gone a mile and an eighth, where Nick's go when he won the Breeders' Cup Classic, that was going a mile and a quarter. That was going further than today's race. So life is good. The big thing about him, he's four years old. He's lightly raced. He's only been beaten once out of his six starts. It was by uh, the smallest of margins. And uh, I will say when you watch him train, they're both tremendous animals. But life is good to me. Looks to be a complete monster on the racetrack. He certainly knows how talented he is. And uh, his connections, they've done a great job with him. But 
I guess the big comparison with the two, keep, everyone keeps on talking about Knicks go, life is good. This would be like two heavyweights going at it. Uh, you don't see this necessarily all the time these days. It's the first time they're facing off. And, uh, and you know, to me, hopefully it's going to be kind of like the Casey Bills game that we saw just uh, last week. <laughs> good comparison. <laughs> that is a tremendous cross-court cross court and cross-sport comparison there, it. Michael. It's awesome. Yeah, you know, if you take – you. If you were to take, if you just wanted to pair a horse with life's go and it not be Nick's go, uh, life is good. If you wanted to pair another horse with the exception of Nick's go, who would you pair with? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, when, I mean, when I look at this group, I mean, they are the two that stand out. I, I feel like from there, it's a wide open race and people, they try to, at this point, it's, it, it sounds like, you know. When you look at them, one of them should win. I think they're going to be the top two, but there are other horses that might be there to pick up the pieces. Um, but I think in this race, they are the the top class. I mean, these are world caliber horses squaring off. And you know what's interesting, Ashley? They're, they're at Gulfstream. You don't want to be on the outside. And Nixco draws the rail here. And then the four hole for life is good. And, Michael, to your question about other horses contending, Ashley, correct me if I'm wrong, but not only are these horses going to be the speed, it, the way these horses run the races, it may just be these two from the jump from the gate on. They're both so fast and want to get out to the lead. Yeah, I got the past performances right in front of me. And, I mean, to me, they clear the field in here. Um, yeah, there's a couple other horses. They might have been friendly placed, but they're simply not as quick as the other two. And you mentioned post position. That is key here because being a mile and an eighth, um, you know, if you're so far out in the starting gate, you're going to lose ground, right? It's kind of like cars going on a racetrack. If you're in that second second lane on the outside, uh, you're losing ground because you're going further. So this is a short run into that first turn. Um, and they both got good positions. Um, the rail uh, for speed horses is great. It can also be a bit of a tricky position because you have everyone else out to your outside. So to me, I, I personally don't think either horses are really in a, a bad position with their posts. They both have great posts. Ashley, how did you become so involved in horse racing from Buffalo? I mean, how did that happen? Great I mean, question. How did you gain all this? How did you gain all this wisdom? You know, no disrespect, Steve, and I know Buffalo loves horses too. But I mean, like, how did you get? How did you get into this position with all this knowledge? So honestly, my dad's my best friend. So growing up as a kid, and when I say a kid, I mean like two, three years old. On Saturdays, we'd go right across the border to a really small track in Ontario. Uh, Canada called Fort Erie and I just went there every weekend with my dad and we take road trips so if we went to Florida we'd hit a track if we went out to Arizona you name it we try to make mom happy for like five days of the trip and then we'd spend two days at the track and uh, it turned out to be my passion and I tried uh, working outside of the sport once I graduated with my master's uh, in math I, I did different things and was always waiting for that dream opportunity and I found it so it's been uh, horse racing has been everything to me and it's taken me on a dream ride. At Ashley underscore Mayu, you can see, I think you do a great job. You and your dad, it's kind of like you and your dad's Twitter account because a lot of it is you two together, which I love. Uh, first racing analyst. Okay, so on the way out here, Nick's goes six to five right now on the board. Life is good, seven to five. Uh, maybe Nick's go goes off shorter, but anything even money to me seems good money, like a good bet on Nick's go. Do you agree? I do agree. I will be brutally honest. If you would have asked me the last like two and a half weeks who I liked, I probably would have said Nick's go and I'm going to go against him. I'm going to go with life is good today as my top pick in here. They're both tremendous athletes. So they both accomplished a lot. Um, I just am curious to see how life is good is going to do on the stretch out. Cause I think he is truly very talented and he's up and coming too as well. First race. Did, did you change your mind? Did you change your mind? Cause of the, watching the training? Is that what changed your mind? 
Yeah, um, you know, the good thing about social media, it's one of the positives, is when you go on there, you can actually watch the workouts and people post the videos and other people record them. And just watching the way he's trained for all of his races, he's impressed me. I was on hand at Del Mar when he won the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. See him training for this, he's been a monster. So for me, I think if he's kind of training the way he races, he'll find himself in the winter circle. Ashley, bring a jacket and make it under 60 degrees there in Florida. Good luck yeah. today. <laughs> Thanks, I just okay, First racing analyst Ashley Mayu joins us. Thank you very much. It is the Lombardi line. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, Brent, thank you. Bet MGM, the king of sports books. It welcomes you with a special offer on the last pro football playoff round before the big game. Simply place a $10 money line wager on either game. That's coming up tomorrow. If any team scores a touchdown, you're going to win $200 paid for in free bets. Now, this is for new users and new bettors over at Bet MGM. You have to use the bonus code VSIN200 when you sign up. VSIN200. Again, it's going to be paid for in free bets, but it's a great deal. Essentially, if anybody scores a touchdown tomorrow, if you place a $10 money line wager on either side, you're going to get $200 to play with. 21 years or older, it's a new customer offer. If you do have a gambling problem, it's 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Speaking of Mississippi, Michael Lombardi there. I'm Patrick Maher here in Vegas. Those of you on the East Coast, stay warm. I'm guessing it's a little bit warmer down in the bayou. Let's head and talk to the race and sports book manager there uh, at the Vol- in, down in Veluxy, Mississippi at the Beau Rivage, Carl Johnson. Carl, our man's dealing with some inclement weather. How's it going down there? Dealing with near the stuff he's dealing with. Uh, you know, I mean, it must be nice to work in your boxers. I guarantee you he's wearing his boxers and he's got his slippers on. Uh, no, I, I don't have – I'm fully dressed, so I could do a stand-up if you need it. I, now, I don't have slippers on, I'll be honest. I got – the floors are heated, so I'm good. So we're all good here, Carl. Don't worry about that. You know, we're, we're doing good. As long as we fell up from barking, we're going to be good here. I worried about you guys. You know, if we get that kind of weather down here, there's so many trees, and when that ice forms, we lose electricity, we lose power. Well, yeah, that 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 that's been the concern, and and I think Thomas Gable is worried about that at the Borgata. We'll have him on later, and uh, you know that's always been the concern down here. Hopefully, we can get through the next four to six hours as the wind subsides without having that problem. <laughs> 
Yeah, and we'll have Thomas on a little bit later. He's hunkered down at the Borgata. What we like to do is kind of compare and contrast the numbers regionally, and we'll talk to Thomas later. Now, I have right now Kansas City juiced up on the seven, but Kansas City lane seven, host in Cincinnati, and 54 and a half. Let's start there, Carl. Where are you at the Beau Rivage? Yeah, so we, we opened this game seven and a half, 53 and a half, and right now we're at seven and a half, even money, and 54 and a half. Wow. Uh, you know, and wow. also, uh, yeah, also, so the first half, we opened minus four and 27, and we're still at minus four and 27. Wow. That's a pretty good look there. I mean, minus four with the Chiefs, at, 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 I think that's a, I, I might be all over that one, Carl. I might look at that pretty hard because I think that the Chiefs, you know, when they went in the last time they played, I think it was 28 14 at the half, and then obviously, you know, they, they didn't only score three points, but I know the Chiefs will try to come out and they must, must play from in front because if they play from in front, it then puts the pressure on this offensive line to have to pass protect. And it really puts Burrow in jeopardy. That's why the third and one call last week against with Tennessee, when they've got a chance to get the first down at the Bengal 35 with eight minutes to go in the game, those two back-to-back -back calls really, really affected the game because not only did Cincinnati get the ball back and run more time off the clock, but it also prevented Tennessee from playing from in front, which they didn't do all day. I think Kansas City changes that ten changes that template. Yeah, you know, and interesting enough, um, so they're they're the, the splits on the game right now is 58% uh, of the tickets on the Chiefs, uh, with 73% of the money. No surprise there. Um, and then uh, on the uh, total, 75% of the tickets are on the over for 80% of the money. Um, and interesting enough, and I knew this. Uh, a, a while back, but uh, the Bengals happen to be our biggest liability for Super Bowl. Wow. Really? Wow. Yeah. That is interesting. Now, and this is why it's so important to have somebody like Carl on for new betters understand how book specific and regional and regionally specific these numbers can be. We told you everybody in town right here is seven with Kansas City. Down in Biloxi, yeah, our boy Carl Johnson is seven and a half. That's important. Now, the juice says, Carl, that you're headed to seven, but right now you're still sitting seven and a half. Let's talk about San Francisco and Los Angeles. Mostly everywhere, it's three and a half and 45 and a half. How about there at the Beau Rivage? Yeah, so this is a little bit interesting. I was just looking at this and I didn't realize it earlier. So we opened this at uh, three and a half, 46 and a half. We're at three and a half and 45 and a half. So we've seen a, a little slight down tick. Um, in that total. However, the betting splits are 54% uh, of the tickets are over for uh, almost 60% of the money. And we still got that one point down drop tick there. Uh, for the first half, we opened at minus two and a half, minus 120 and 23 for the total. And we're still exactly right there. Yeah, that, that first also, half might be more of a, go ahead, Carl. I was going to say also uh, uh, the exact opposite. So uh, the, in this case, the Rams would be our best case scenario to win the Super Bowl here. Best case wow. scenario. Rams winning the yes. Super Bowl for you is best case. Worst case scenario would be Cincinnati winning it. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Now, wow. Carl Johnson, you know, he likes to play on the side. He's got his wife as the runner there, Michael. So <laughs> yes. he, he gave us three props he likes. I don't have the number, so you can give us a number there at your book. You like Jamar Chase. You like, as far as reception and receiving yards combined, you like Jimmy G on rushing yards. 
and you like Joe Burrow interceptions, so picks. What do you got there, Carl? Yeah, so uh, for Jabari Chase, uh, uh, you're looking at a five and a half, uh, the over. Now, you got to pay a little juice on it, but, uh, you know, I don't see, uh, you know, especially if they get down early, I mean, they're going to be throwing the football. I don't see him with less than five and a half receptions there. Uh, I, I would I would pay the, the VIG there and get you a little bet in. Uh, uh, Garoppolo rushing yards, two and a half. I mean, look, I got this from the great Bill Berman. I mean, all he's got to do is fall forward one time. He gets that. <laughs> uh, it, you know, uh, uh, and then uh, Burrow interceptions. Um, uh, it's juiced up a little bit. It's a half. Uh, and the over is minus $1.35. Look, th- this guy spent half the game on the ground last week. I mean, he got, he got, bumped, he got sacked nine times, and he was hit more than that. Uh, so that generally results in interceptions. Uh, so I think that's a good, pretty good bet for somebody that's looking. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, I like all of those, Patrick. I like all. Do you like them? I like well, all. Yeah, of those, and I just really. want to make I mean, sure. Yeah, I want to make sure I get these. So, so for everybody listening at home, what what he was saying, Jamar Chase over five and a half receptions, so six or more wins the bet. He likes yeah. over two and a half on the rushing yards for Jimmy G, and he likes over a half. Michael, I want to ask you about that. So again, one pick or more wins he the bet there with Joe Burrow. You like that, Michael? I do, because I think what Carl's making the point is he's going to be under a lot of pressure, right? And he's going to have to, you know, there's some of these balls either get tipped up in the air or he's going to make a quick throw that they're not ready for. I mean, for they've got to really pressure Burrow. I mean, if they give Burrow time, we've seen Burrow with time against them. He threw for 400 yards. They've got to be able to really do a good job of getting Burrow on the ground. And the short passing game and the quick throws, Tennessee did a good job of taking that away from them. So, I think that's really where it needs to go. I like that one. And the Jimmy Garoppolo one, look, let's face it. when They're going to run a lot of boots and nakeds and try to create some situations where he has easy throws. And sometimes he's just got to take off. If they're playing man, he's just got to take off and run with it. Yeah. No, I think that's well put. The is, is this kind of the calm before the storm there at the Beau Rivage? It's kind of, it feels a little odd, doesn't it, Carl, not to have football today? Yeah, it does, uh, you know, but uh, the, the crowd gets, the, you know, they, they seem like they're getting excited. They started rolling in yesterday. Uh, and, you know, we do have the uh, Pegasus World Cup today, so we're going to have a little horse action. Uh, and, you know, our college basketball last weekend was, uh, for Saturday, was real strong, and, and we expect it to be the same today. All right. Do you have a college basketball pick you like, Carl, today? Do you have anything you like today? No, you know what? Uh, uh, I was – we, we did our little podcast this week, and, uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to spend 20 seconds watching a college basketball game yet. You know, it happens to be one of my favorite betting sports, and I do get into it, uh, but I have yet to, to be able to, to follow it. Now, I did, uh, I did give you, you know, someone was asking me earlier, uh, how do you find value in first-half totals for college basketball? And there's a little system that I call nine. And basically, it's real simple. You take the total for a college basketball game. Let's say it's 150. Uh, and let's say that they have the, the – your book has the betting total for first half at like 72 and a half. So you take that 150, subtract nine off of it. So you're going to have a number of 141, then divide it by two, and you come up to 70 and a half. That's what that first half total should be. And then if you see it at 72, 73, then you know your two or three numbers to the good. That's a hell that that is that for for new batters especially that is a wonderful benchmark and a great place to start with a little system there. We 
We need to lay that out. We need to lay that out so everybody can see that and understand it. I'm a visual guy. I need to see that. That's a good one, Carl. That's a great Man, one, Man, you're Carl. sharp. You're all over it. Hey, <laughs> Jack, Jack, John, what's on the menu today? Quick, eating and drinking. What's what's our old boy eating and drinking today? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think I'm going to think I'm going to do a hamburger today. Uh, you know, it just seems like a burger day today. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, that's hamburger hey, and good. No, fries. no cocktails. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I can't do that at work. I, I'm gonna do that when I get home. <laughs> you you can do it at work. You run the joint. That's the Beau Ravage, yeah. Racing Sportsbook Director, Carl Johnson. Enjoy it, Carl. Thank you, buddy. You guys have a good day. Jack Jack Johnson on Twitter. We continue with Lombardi Line here on a Saturday. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare